Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Can I start by saying that um, preparing to preach has got to be one of the worst feelings in the whole world. And I feel in the morning leading up to it, I feel so sick and nervous and short of breath and shaky and terrified and doubtful and all of these things. Um, And then like, I mean, don't get me wrong. And Nicole, I don't want to personally offend you. I do love Christmas. But when a song like Oh Night Divine comes on, when I already have no breath because I'm so nervous, singing those words, I was like, whatever the word is. And then I was like, divine. I don't want to sing it. But it was like, Louis was probably behind me thinking I was an asthmatic. So I'm learning learning to love the uh, Christmas carols. But that one is a challenge. So power to the band for singing it so beautifully um, and leading us through it. And when Joel kept being like, let's sing it again, I was like, oh, no. Anyway, but I loved it. I love Christmas. We're learning to love Christmas more and more. Every year that I um, am spending Christmas as a Christian, this is my eighth one, I'm learning to love it more and more and examine more of the meaning and really kind of like trying to step aside from like the, that really mainstream taking Christ out of Christmas kind of land and step more into like what the meaning is and what the arrival for Jesus actually meant. And so with that, I have the very great honour to be able to start our like little mini Christmas series because it's the 11th. So it's a quick descent into Christmas now. But um, if you haven't um, ever listened to the podcast, last week we finished our last series by hearing a testimony from Cindy Nunn, who's not here this morning. And it was truly like the most incredible thing. She, it was, I couldn't even like, Jack and I have tried to explain this story a few times to people and we just like get so enthralled in it that they're like, what? And I'm like, you just have to go and listen to it because she just speaks to these like incredible, traumatic, heavy experiences, but she just like delivered it with such articulation and such like, um, such glory giving words to the Lord. And so if you haven't listened to that, I'd really encourage you. It is on Spotify. I checked before I said this. Um, And just in case she's listening, I just want to honor her for that because it's a really scary thing to be able to share such like vulnerable parts of your story. And especially when, yeah, they could be really hard to receive. So um, that was last week and we kind of wrapped up. And then this this week is our first mini series of Christmas. And I get to speak on um, Mary's faith which is obviously like a huge central part of the Christmas story. And, you know, we see nativity, we hear about the Virgin Mary, about um, the star of Bethlehem, the wise man, the shepherds, things like that. And I, I couldn't help but contemplate when I was preparing. Like, and it forced me to wonder, like, why is this such an abrasive part of the Bible for so many people? Like, why is it such a point of contention amongst believers and non-believers that we just like get stuck on this point? I would consider it actually to be like one of the biggest barriers for people believing that all of Christianity started from a virgin. Like I feel there are so many other crazy parts of the Bible, even just like in the New Testament alone, there's stories of like an entire prison worth of shackles just falling off the prisoners. There's a story of Paul who gets bitten by like a venomous snake and literally just shakes it off. There's stories of mute people starting to speak. There is a story where money comes out of a fish's mouth. Like there's these huge obscure stories and yet we always come back like, and this is from my personal experience, but also recent conversations with people who aren't in church or people who don't believe and they get stuck on that point of like, yeah, I believe like in God, but I really like 
can't get around the virgin story. And so, like, what is that? Is it because we have heard it since we were kids, so we're a bit desensitised to it? Is it general doubt? Is it a bit of misogyny? Is it a bit of um, lack of understanding, lack of evidence, all of these things? And probably it's a bit of, like, all of the above, probably. But um, I just think that even if Mary was lying about conception, about virginity, things like that, the birth of this baby, like we've heard from um, Pam this morning, it was just like this huge affair. Like it had shepherds arriving who were led by angels. It had wise men from the east coming with these extravagant and rare gifts because they saw a new star in the sky. And even the king at the time, King Herod, heard of the birth of Jesus and ordered a mass genocide of children because he saw the significance of it. And yet we still, those things aside, those things aside, like the Virgin Mary, is that what we're talking about? And I think that upon considering that more, like perhaps that is just an easy distraction from from focusing on the wrong details of this story. And it takes our focus away from the truth that the story actually tells not only the conception of Jesus, the baby, but it tells the conception of Christianity, which is this new way to have a relationship with God. And there is so much to learn from Mary's story. And even though her virginity, which I believe to be real, um, is a super essential part of like scriptural fulfillment and the story as a whole, I think that it doesn't have to be the focal point that we focus on her faith and her experience that we can use to change our own faith for today. And so I guess with that, let's pray. God, we see obscurity time and time again in your word. Lord, I pray that we would have faith that is lifted to you, ears to hear, eyes to see beyond our circumstance. Pray that your word would come alive and we would be ministered to, anticipation would be stirred up in our spirit as we approach this wonderful time where we get to celebrate and honour and acknowledge the coming of Jesus. May these words not not be my own, but may all glory go to you, Lord. We love you. Amen. So we see the conception of this new covenant that is Christianity in, planted in Mary's story. Matthew 1.23 um, quotes the prophet Isaiah. It's actually an angel talking to Joseph, but it quotes the prophet Isaiah when he, when he says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that is how everything changed within that statement. It says God came down in the form of this fragile human being to be with his people, not to lord over his people, but to be with him. And the first person that he chose to come down and be with in like the most intimate way, as like the mothers of the new babies know, in the most intimate way was a young, ordinary girl. And in Luke 1, Mary actually says, she sings, she says, I won't sing though, I don't want to take, I don't want to take that glory. No. <laughs> um, but she says in Luke, in Luke 1, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And in the Passion Translation, she says, of a, lo- a lowly servant girl. And I think that that is so amazing that she acknowledges that God is aware and mindful of her lowly status. And so God tasked this young, ordinary girl with this huge, world-changing assignment that just, like, despite a long list of things that should actually discount her from carrying such an honour. 
She wasn't royal, she wasn't wealthy, she was unmarried, and she was 14 years old. And yet we see God entrust her with this huge mission. And it's not the first or the last time in the Bible that we see God use ordinary people for these extraordinary tasks. And why is that? Why does God just choose ordinary people? Because He only makes ordinary people. And it's only through Him and His incredible power that we can accomplish such extraordinary things. And so when we consider Mary's faith, faith, we see a model of how we can shape our own faith in the lead up to Christmas, in our everyday, in like Jess said, not just like those peaks and high points, but in the everyday menial tasks of our life. We celebrate at Christmas the arrival of Jesus in our own life. So what can we, also ordinary, also unqualified, also should be discounted humans, what can we learn about our own faith from this young Jewish girl? I think there's obviously not time to talk about like Mary's whole story, but even if you don't, you know, do Advent or do a daily Bible reading or whatever, I would encourage you in the lead up to Christmas, if you're going to do one thing, read the first couple of chapters of Luke and just like slowly read through it because like the details and the circumstance that God is just like pulling together to start this wonderful conception of the story of Jesus is, it has been such a blessing to me and I, and I believe puts your heart and your spirit in the right posture to anticipate the meaning of Christmas. But for now, here is just like a little snippet, and it's found in Luke chapter 1, um, between verse 30 and 45. And so I'm going oh, to zoom in. Yeah. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, rightfully so, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will, will be called the Son of God. And it goes on later to say, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. And at that time, Mary got ready and hurried down to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth, who was her relative. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt inside her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, "'Blessed are you amongst women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me?' As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And firstly, as a side note, I think that um, order of events is so special because you cannot imagine how Mary would be feeling after an encounter with an angel who's just told her she's going to firstly be pregnant, secondly, birth the son of God. And so immediately she goes to um, her relative's house and Elizabeth confirms what she's just heard, gives her comfort, gives her reassurance and gives um, even just like validity to what she's experienced, which I think speaks to what Pam spoke um, a few weeks ago about our faith is stronger together. And there is so much power in having like-minded people confirm the word of God over your life. When you might read something or, um, or hear something or 
get a word from the Lord and then have somebody in a community of believers confirm that and speak that over you. There is so much power in the community that God has given us. And I felt so encouraged by that, that she just like went to Elizabeth and Elizabeth was like, no, it's true. And I think that that would have been so helpful for Mary as a transformative part of her life. But what I want to talk on just for a little minute to encourage your own faith in the lead up to Christmas is that, is that line in verse 45 that says, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And that's a beautiful line on its own. But that word for blessed there, it translates back to a Greek word called makaria, which is only used one other time in the gospel. And it was by Jesus himself. And he says to Thomas in John 20, Blessed are those who have not seen, yet still believe. And I love that that word links these two statements because that is one of the greatest things that we can learn from Mary's faith is that even without seeing, Mary was still blessed as the one who believed that God would fulfill his word to her. And without seeing or with only seeing, we can see of her circumstances. Like it maybe in hindsight, it's easier to believe it now. But at the time, the circumstances that Mary could see were, um, I think, quite dire. And it doesn't make sense for her to believe what God was saying. She was 14 years old. She was unmarried. She was not fit to raise a baby, let alone a king. She was going to be worried whether Joseph was going to leave her, whether, um, you know, society would outcast her. But this revelation was disguised in obscurity. And yet still... She believed that the promise and the word of God was a more faithful anchor than the circumstance she was facing. And I think the truth is the same for us. We can face circumstances. We want to take things at face value. We want to measure the things that we can see and explain and understand. Yet we are promised forgiveness. We are promised value, love, adoration. And we, as ordinary flawed humans... We're charged with the same unique, pur- uh, with a unique purpose to be trusted with special assignments from the Lord, especially for us. However, for so many of us, we fall for the lie that the circumstances we can see hold greater truth than the faith that we cannot. And I think if if there's anything that you take as an encouragement, don't. Don't believe what is face value in your life when the word of God says something different. When you're faced with the lie that says you're actually unlovable or God won't forgive that or you actually don't have a plan or a purpose. Like you take the word of God and you cut that down and you hold it captive and you rebuke it in Jesus' name. Because even just facing with really basic realities, like I would have never believed if you told me at 16 that I would be working at a cafe every day, stacking chairs. Like I remember clearly working at a bakery when I was like 15 being like, can't wait for the day that I'm not stacking chairs. 15 years later, guess who's still stacking chairs at 5.30? But I believe, not in the circumstances that that job is meaningless, I believe that we get to um, lead a group of six women who are changing lives and we have hundreds of opportunities every single day at that cafe to change people's days. And when you can change someone's day, you can change their life. And if you can change someone's life, you can change the world. And that is just like the simplest example. So if you're in a season that feels like your circumstances says you aren't important and you aren't valuable and you aren't called to be the light of the world, let me just rebuke that for you in Jesus' name. If you feel like all I'm doing at this point is cleaning and washing and looking after a child who prefers 
my spouse to me. Then maybe you're just in a a bit of a thankless season right now, but you're in a nurturing season of raising a world changer that God has appointed you specifically to be able to impart life into. Maybe you think that, you know, the work you do at your job is meaningless. I'm like a work health and safety officer. Well, where's the value in that? You're actually there helping people get home safely. There is like so much value when you look for it and when you believe and walk in the truth that you are perfectly positioned, uniquely equipped, and God has called you like he did with Mary to carry the light into the world. And I think that reframing our mind and and those two scriptures, being believing that the Lord will fulfill his promises to us, believing that when even when we cannot see it, God is faithful and he is mighty to save. I feel like those are the tools that we need for this Christmas to have a new anticipation to celebrate the arrival of King Jesus. He's our saviour who was born as a vulnerable baby to an ordinary 14-year-old in a dirty place amongst the poor because he is turning our world order upside down. We don't need to earn heaven because Jesus has brought heaven to earth. All right. So I think that just like the main message that I wanted is that what we can see in Mary's circumstance is so different to what was happening in the spiritual realm. And what is happening in our own life as individuals, as a part of community of believers is so different to what God is actually doing and working together and taking. And so in the anticipation of Christmas where we get to celebrate the arrival of Emmanuel, that is God with us, not God with the worship team and not God with the pastor and not God in the certain temple, but God that goes with us each and every day. He's called us to be transformed, to be included, to be guided by him, to be walking with him. God came to Mary and she responded in the humblest possible way. And we must recognise that the example that Mary has set for us is that. She accepted her pregnancy. She accepted God's will, even at the risk of her own life and the disdain of others. As Christ literally lived in her, we have the opportunity to bring Jesus to this world as well. We get to be pregnant with the same promises. We get to be filled with the same hope. Matthew 5 says that um, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden and in the same way let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Church, let's not underestimate what he can do in and through you if we accept that invitation and you put your life in his hands. And Tim Keller puts it like this, which I love. The message of Christianity is different. It starts not with the, here are the things you must do, but rather it starts with the, here is what God has done for you. And that is the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, where we see Mary's faith and her acceptance of the invitation to accept God with us. And so as we, as we kind of close, as we get into some worship, let me pray for you. Let me speak a blessing over you that in the anticipation of Christmas, we would be impregnated with hope and joy and restoration and love and a light that would shine for others and would seek out the lost, seek out the marginalised, and we would be able to bring Jesus into this lost world as Mary did. 
that we would see generations change, that we would see, see meaning in dark places and that we would accept the purpose that He's given us to be world changers amongst the dark. Lord, we see restoration and resurrection in Your story, that You would be born in the most vulnerable way. You would flip our understanding of world order on its head and You would give us revelation that our understanding of circumstances is so finite, can be so skewed, and Lord, that You plant revelation each and every time in obscurity, in plainness, in the ordinary, and yet You charge us with the opportunity to to accept an extraordinary calling on our life. Lord, I pray for the spirit of fear, a spirit of doubt, a spirit of uh, low self-value to be expelled in Jesus' name over this whole place. I pray we would have confidence and assurance of the things unseen and that our faith would be evidence to a world that is hurting, a world that is weary and with your name and your Holy Spirit living in us, that would be a declaration that would change the world. Pray for the lead up to Christmas, God, that we would not conform to the patterns of this world, that it wouldn't be about shopping and wrapping and stress and sales, but it would be about facing those hard, hard things like I am charged with a purpose and welcoming the King Jesus into that circumstance. We don't have to wait for Christmas to be with you. And for that, we rejoice, for that we worship, for that we are grateful. So Lord, I pray that we would have an infilling of the Holy Spirit, whether it is truthfully for the first time. I pray that over every person here, or if it needs to be a daily affair because the lies of the evil one are loud and they are constant and they are reoccurring. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would infill each and every person in this place right now. And as we sing and declare the songs of worship, as Mary did when she had a revelation from you, she sung in worship and adoration to proclaim your name. I pray that it would minister so greatly to us as it brings our spirit into a line with what you're calling us to be. Pray each and every person would hear their name called by you. They wouldn't think it's for someone else, but they would feel... Um, words of prophecy and words of hope spoken over their spirit by the Holy Spirit in this moment. We rejoice. We have joy and anticipation. We pray and revere your wonderful, holy, saving name of Jesus. Amen.